And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's happening, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, Raider Hart. And guys, we finally made it through the bye week. You're listening to the Raiders Texans preview show. And Raspy Raider and I are going to get into it today. We're going to talk about, is this a must-win game? Obviously, it is at 1-4 and four for the Raiders coming out of the bye week. Some troubling, some actually some very troubling numbers and statistics uh, about the Raiders after the bye week that the Raiders are going to have to buck if they want to chase, you know, change the game here in recent years. And some concerning injuries that the Raiders are going to have to deal with. All that and a lot more here, guys, on the Silver and Black Hack podcast. And uh, before we get any further, Raspy, I just wanted to bring you in here officially, man. I asked it at the outset. Obviously, I'm, you know, this is, I'm playing Captain Obvious here, man. But the Raiders have to win this thing, right? If they want any, and I mean any chance of even talking about any kind of postseason berth or wild card or anything, they got to get this one, right? Absolutely. I mean, bar none. And I'd say probably a few more in a row to make this thing work. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> it's it's time to start putting some dubs in that column, man. It's uh looking at our record right now, man. I mean, we're, we're the we're the worst record in the NFL. We're right up there with it, you know. You know, AFC for sure. NFL, yeah, we're right there, man. It's not good. So got to start winning now, and I think you got to start putting a few together after that, but we're going to take it one day at a time. Absolutely. The Raiders must take things one game at a time. And they also, Raspy, they're going to have to take things one injury at a time. You know, we'd like to start off these preview shows talking about the injury report because it's kind of where it starts off, you know, that how healthy are these teams? We're approaching the midway point of the season, not quite there yet. But we're, at, we're definitely at the point of the season where injuries uh, can play a major, major factor in any given game. And, and this one's not going to be any different, guys, because a lot of you guys heard the injury report, the news that came through, the unfortunate news that came through during the bye week. Kind of an odd time for this to drop, but uh, we'll start off with Nate Hobbs officially raspy being added to the injury reserve list, which means he will be missing a minimum of the next four games. And Raspy, if you remember this, we talked about it, you know, during the game briefly, or I think it was after the game, actually, because it wasn't really widely known during the game. We talked about the fact that Hobbs looked really bad and really off, uncharacteristically off in that game. And we heard after the game that he, you know, went to Instagram and was tweeting or posting rather about a broken hand. And, um, that's a major. That's a major concern there. What were your What were your thoughts, just real quick, on Nate Hobbs and the the broken hand report? 
bummed out, man. Our secondary right now cannot afford to lose anybody. You know, let's be honest, guys. It hasn't been uh, setting the world on fire any time lately. I mean, they've, they've played okay, but we've also had some big shots, man, and some big-time moments where it just seems like we can't stop a nosebleed. So losing, I mean, we were. I, I was kind of hard on Nate, too. I thought it was the worst game he's played, you know, in the NFL. I get it now well, a little bit more with a broken hand. Maybe you're a little more reluctant. You know, that's that's not easy, and I'm not out there, you know. But uh, losing anybody in the secondary right now is scary as hell because uh, it's depleted already, and we're still not getting the returns that we thought we would. We're definitely not, and, you know, we talk about the Raiders coming off of a bye week. We don't want there to be any rust or anything like that, and I got to knock off a little rust with myself as well coming out of the bye week because before we go any further, I just want to make sure to, to finish setting the table before we get too ahead of ourselves, guys. Make sure to find us on social media for the second half of the year for the Raiders, at least the rest of the season. The conversation is only heating up week to week. We had a lot of great engagement, a lot of cool discussions with with Raider fans and really just NFL fans in general over the bye week. Find us on Twitter, guys. You can find us at silver underscore hack as usual. You can also find us on Facebook as well, but Twitter seems to be the hot spot uh, in recent years for NFL discussion. That doesn't seem to be any different, at least intelligent <laughs> NFL discussion. That doesn't seem to be any different right now. You could also get us, guys, uh, as far as the podcast, you can find us on all the major podcast providers, guys. So wherever you're currently getting your podcast, wherever you're currently listening, you can find us there as well. Tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word, and make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And also, finally, make sure to keep your notifications on so you don't miss a thing. Just had to get that out of the way before we got too ahead of ourselves. But going back to Nate Hobbs, it is a blow because they don't have the depth, like you said, Raspy, in the secondary. And even when they're they're fully healthy, they see they they seem to leave a little bit of something to be desired. So, let alone when your top cover guy on the outside is is hurt for at least the four games, and you know, depend could be longer depending on how that broken hand heals. So that's a major concern. But, you know, we talked about it, Raspy, the football gods giveth and the football gods taketh away. And as soon as Nate Hobbs goes on the IR with the broken hand, Anthony Averett has just been cleared for practice. It would have been nice to see the full, you know, cornerback room healthy with Hobbs, Averett, and Rocky Sin all healthy like we envisioned, you know, coming out of training camp. But Anthony Averett is back at practice, cleared by the doctors, so it looks like he's going to be ready to go. Patrick Graham talked about that a little bit. Uh, and also back to practice, DJ Turner, we'll see if he gets moved into any sort of return roles, return duties. He's back. Foster Moreau is also back from uh, his, his concussion issues as well. He was a full go, so it looks like he'll be ready to go. And unfortunately, Raspy Darren Waller not able to practice with that lingering hamstring issue. What else, if anything, stands out to you with the rest of those additions, uh, good and bad, to the injury report? Well, first and foremost, love seeing Averett back. I think this guy is 
borderline special, man. I really do. Some people may not know enough about him or may not think as highly of him as I do, and that's okay. But I really, truly feel blessed to know that, hey, at least if Hobbs can't go, hopefully Averett is ready and can step in there in a big-time role, man. We're going to need him. I don't care who you're playing. This is the NFL. If you don't have some competent corners out there that can handle business and do their job, you're going to – you're going to struggle. I don't care who you're playing, man. So that is the huge plus. Glad to see that. Hate to see it. You know, obviously, like you said, they give it and take it away, man. Hate to see it on the on the edge of Nate getting put on IR, which, you know, I'm not going to hate on the broken hand. I get that. But you're not a quarterback. So I don't know. Wrap that damn thing up like they used to back in the day and get to work. I get it. You need your hands to play the position, too. Maybe I'm being a little too hard on them. Um, but love seeing Averitt back. The, another thing is this Waller stuff, man. What is, what's going on, man? What is going on? You know, apparently, what's going you know, on? Yeah, a lingering hamstring now that we didn't know about until it all of a sudden was an issue. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm about had my fill. With Darren Waller, I'm sorry, Nation. I'm just – I'm getting tired of it, man. This guy – we've done everything we could to back you up and show you that we're, you know, we're all in with you, man. Injuries happen. I get it. Injuries weren't the issue in the beginning. It was lack of production and, seemed, you know, lack of follow-through and awareness to, to be that guy. So – I don't know, man. I, like This is back to – I think this season is – I hope it's going to go away. But back to that, the more things change, the more they stay the same type thing, you know. I don't get it, man. It's frustrating as hell. Um, I do like Moroby and back. I feel like we should do some more. And I don't – you know, if it's this other kid too, this young kid um, at the tight end position, man, run some – Twin tight end sets, man. I know Waller's not in there, but Moreau's in there. I mean, that was something that we really thought we would see some, you know, a little bit more of from a guy like McDaniels. So, man, he, he didn't always have big name tight ends, but they seem to always get production. So maybe let's let's be forced into doing a couple of tight end, you know, twin tight end sets, man. Throw get a little heavy out there. It'll help us in the run game, but you can also spill off that and find a way to feast, you know, underneath some of these tight ends because we got some young dudes who can catch the ball and they're bigger guys and they can both block well. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. But uh, that's kind of where my head's at on the injury stuff. Injuries are always tough, man. It sucks talking about them. But. And with Waller, you know, I get that injuries happen and it's unfortunate, but it's also such a thing, guys, is that you know, I don't know if it was Bill Parcells or which one of these old school Hall of Fame coaches came up with the phrase, but it's also very true that while injuries happen, the best of ability is availability. And at a certain point, if you're always hurt, that does become a problem in and of itself. So, and it's not just the injuries. I mean, he hasn't had a thousand yard season since 2020, guys. You know, injuries were a part of that last year, but here you kind of get how they play into one another. Injuries reduce your availability, reduces your impact and production. So I don't want to be unfair and talk about, you know, unfairly about the injuries. If he's hurt, if he's – only he knows how hurt that hamstring is. If he legitimately can't go as a professional athlete, I'll have to, you know, defer to him 
on that. He knows his body as well as anybody on the face of the earth, obviously, better than anybody. But at a certain point, being injured all the time becomes it's it's it becomes a problem of its own, and it becomes you know. It, it sort of takes on a life of its own. So we need him to get healthy. I don't know. It's just been a real disaster after this contract extension. But, you know, kind of looking more on the field, Raspy, starting to get into the, the keys to this this victory. I mean, it's really not very complex. That We have a very inferior Houston Texans team with a very inf inferior quarterback. Even the worst Derek Carr haters out there would – agree with me on that, that Davis Mills isn't even in the same league as Derek Carr. We're at home. Like, all the advantages are stacking up the Raiders' way. But, Raspy, there's one thing that when I was breaking down this matchup that scared me right away. It was the first thing that came to mind after the, the you know, the heartbreak of the Chiefs game sort of wear, you know started to wear off, and I looked forward. This is the first thing I thought of. <clears throat> I did the research, and the results were even more concerning than I thought. The number one thing, Raspy, that the Raiders have to do to beat this Houston Texans team after the bye week is be ready to play after the bye week. Listen to the last five years, guys. The Raiders are 0-5 after their last five bye week um, situations. And just, it, it, you know, were they a bunch of heart attack, close game losses, ball bounce the other way like they normally do? No. Listen to these scores, Raspy. The last five years... 2017, we lost 33 to 8 to the Pats. 2018, 42 28 to the Colts. 2019, 42 24 to the Pack. 2020, surely it got better then, right? Nope. Lost to, to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 45 to 20. A lot of us remember that game very vividly. And then last year, we went to the Giants. Surely we played, you know, had a better showing against Daniel Jones and company. Not exactly. We lost 23 to 16 to the Giants. Raspy. This, this whole troubling trend, it spans different coaches. I mean, we're talking we, – we, you get a little bit of the Jack Del Rio era in there. You get the John Gruden the, – the entirety of the John Gruden era in there. Now you get Josh McDaniels stepping up to the plate for his, his opportunity to put an end to this ugly streak. Raspy, I'll just turn it to you on this because I have a, I've had a hard time wrapping my head around this. What happens to the Raiders after the bye week? Clearly coaching has something to do with it, but there's been multiple coaches, so you can't just say it's all about Raider Hart's poor preparation. So let's see what McDaniels does. What in your mind has, has been the problem with the Raiders coming out of the bye week sleepwalking the way that they have, and what do they have to do to find some kind of way to correct this? It's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly where that is. Like you said, you got three different coaches lumped into that. So that's hard to say. But we, you know what, another thing that I might, I'd like to see our record going into the buys, you know, the last five years. I don't, I doubt it's very good. If it's been five years, I bet you if we're lucky, if we're two and three going into those. So the bye week tends to be early when it's either we're like, starting a slide or about to try to avoid one. I don't really know how that works. I don't get it. Coming out of them, a lot of times, it seems like in the last, you know, you're always going up against a really good team coming out of the bye. I mean, you, you've said it yourself. The Patriots were one of them with Tom, the Buccaneers. We had the Pack there once. I get it. The Giants, that one is kind of a fluke. But ultimately, I, this is one thing that I think will change. 
you know, and not just because of the opponent. I think McDaniels is starting to put a bit of a stamp on this team. The offense is starting to come together. What he had planned and what we had saw, maybe it wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be, you know, as far as this prolific passing attack. But look back at McDaniel's track record. Did he ever have, outside of Randy, Mano Randy Moss, some, like, hugely prolific passing offense? And if they did, it was tight ends. It was running backs, a lot of that kind of stuff. So I, I think that that will change. I really do. And uh, I think that we're going to hopefully start seeing a little bit of a, a break from this bye week blues we've been dealing with because bottom line, you come out of this bye week flat and you lose to a Houston team, yep, you might as well start just packing it in, man. Because if you come out of this bye week flat and lose to these guys at home, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. My head will spin. I don't even know where the hell I would even begin to uh, to try to digest that. But I think it's going to change. Don't know why it's been so heavy. I just maybe lack of preparation. But that's one thing I think that kind of leans on that it'll change because I think the preparation is is there with with McDaniels and I really do feel like we're going to jump out of this and I think what we've seen transpire in the last week with just one weekend of games playing we're not as far out of this thing as as we might have thought we would be at one and four it's time to get it together it's time to figure it out and get it going man so I hope that they come out with some momentum and some determination to get this thing rolling in the right direction and start winning some games I mean, you're right. A lot of these games have just so happened to be scheduled against really good rosters with really good quarterbacks. But, you know, the Giants game doesn't fit that. But the other four do. But then it's that's one thing, right? You, you can't do anything about the schedule, the, right. the NFL schedule makers. But, you know, but the one thing I will say, I mean, 45-20, 44 24, 42 28. I mean, we're 33-8. We're not even competitive in these games. It's one thing to lose. There's no shame in losing to, to Aaron Rodgers in, in you know at Lambeau Field or or whatnot. It's no there's no shame at losing to, you know, losing to Tom Brady, even at home or whatnot. But these scores, man, these that's sleepwalking. That that's coming out of the bye week, not prepared to play. It's gotta be coaching, like you said. I do have a lot more faith in McDaniel's to get that right because if the, whatever to whatever degree that the preparation was a part of that, I have more faith in him than even you know Gruden. I mean, some of those the worst scores that we had were in the Gruden era, and he, if you ask him if you know if he's listening to the show, he's probably you know saying to the, talking to himself right now, saying that I pride I pride myself on game preparation, but those scores, you know, those scores, the worst scores were in the Gruden era, so. They're going to definitely – that's enough to scare me, Raspy, to where this is not just a gimme game because of the – for whatever reason, the Raiders' history, the, the problems that they have in the past just seem to linger from year to year, unlike any other team in the NFL, maybe unlike any other team I've seen in any other sport where it's just the same. You change the roster, you change the coaches, you fire the secretaries, you change the – the brand of coffee in the break room and there's still the same problems for two or three years ago are still hovering around. So it's enough to scare me, but you know, let's just hope that McDaniels and company have identified the problem and fixed it because we talk about this. You just mentioned it raspy that in a typical year, one in four, you're pretty much done going into week seven, eight. 
but this is not a typical year. This is just, it's been a strange year in terms of scoring and other, other strange, you know, other strange things that have been happening this year. It's, it's been a bizarre season. So do the Raiders still have a chance to make the postseason in your mind? Because, you know, according to ESPN football power index, they actually have us favored in 11 of the final 12 games, Raspy, the rest of the way. They have us favored 81% against the Texans, just over 50%, 54% against the Saints, 50.8% against the Jags. So those are really borderline. But then you have 75%, uh, 75.5% favored against the Colts, just under 70% uh, against the Broncos. Seahawks were favored 64%. Chargers were favored to get back at them at home in the rematch, 51%. Rams surprised me, even though they really do look bad this year, 51% again. Patriots, 68% favored. Steelers, 66 And the 49ers at 51.3. Only the Chiefs game in the, the second, the rematch, that's the only other game out of the final 12 that we're favored to lose. They're only giving us a 35% chance to get even with the Chiefs. Raspy, where do you come down on this? Do you tend to agree with the football uh, ESPN football power index predictions? I've seen some other models that have said pretty close, not 11 out of 12, but pretty close the same way, you know, that we're going to be favored in a number of these models the rest of the way by, you know, as far as the schedule, the way that it's laid out, we have some very winnable games. And you know that there's something to this when notorious notorious Raider hater and Derek Carr hater Nick Wright on Fox Sports, a lot of us call him Nick Wrong, he was even on a podcast the other day saying, you know, they're talking about teams to watch out for that aren't necessarily at the at the top of the league, not the Chiefs, the Bills, the, the Eagles, you know, other teams, sleepers. Nick Wright actually mentioned the Raiders. Do not count out that my hated Raiders, This is these are his words, don't count out Derek Carr and my hated Raiders just yet either. I have a feeling about them. Raspy, where do you fall on this? Do you lean towards some of these models and even a hater like Nick Wright? Do the Raiders still have a very good opportunity ahead of them? Or is this just all, all fool's gold? You know, we'll come out, we'll drop two of these winnable games, and we're just all, it's just all an exercise in insanity like it normally is. Well, no, I don't, but it's not, it's not to go to to agree with Nick or or any of any of that. This is me going off my gut and what I have seen and watching these other AFC West games, AFC in general. I have no doubt in my mind that we should go and roll for a, there is no reason in the world that we cannot go beat the Texans and the Saints and the Jacks. I'm not as high on this Colts team or on this winning, beating the Colts and being so favored to win in that game. I'm sorry, I'm just not as high on that. I know we're at home, but the Colts are a team that has always just been kind of weird for us. And so I'm not, but I, but go win three games in a row, man, and you're 500. And you're all of a sudden right back in the mix because the Chiefs already have two losses, should have been three. And if we would have freaking helped ourselves at all, it would have been three. That's on us. So we got to own that and deal with that nonsense. The Chargers look 
like they can hardly get the freaking ball down the field. Everybody's all oh, the Broncos defense. The, the same Broncos defense that we could have scored would we beat them 32 to 23. We could have scored a field goal at the end there just to kick just to kick them in the nuts if we wanted to and could have made it 35 to 23. Or we could have went down and scored a touchdown which would have been more likely in that game. And went ahead and rattled off damn near a 40-banger on them. So, I'm sorry. Miss me with the Denver D. And they're so good. And Russell Wilson's the re- – I'm not I'm not big on that. I'm not saying their defense isn't good. But miss me with that. That Chargers-Denver game left so much, so much to be desired. And we all saw that because it was on Monday night. And it was just putrid and ugly. And it just shows me that – the Chargers aren't as good as we thought they were. Shoot, the Chiefs aren't even as good as, as everybody thought they were. Or maybe that we thought they were. Maybe I'm speaking for me. We'll just say me. But I'm telling you right now, you go win a few games in a row against some teams you should beat, which I think I was hoping that McDaniels will give us that attitude to beat the teams that we should. Now, it could be a toss-up, man, in this first four or five weeks. You know, we played some we played some good teams. We played the Chargers. They were it was week one. Everybody was healthy. They were at their back. Still think piss poor play on the defense. We should have won the damn game. So we're not as far away as it may look. And so I understand why these analysts and some of these writers and stuff are saying, like, hey man, don't count this team out because man, you have a good chance of in the next let's call it six games. Go five and one in these next six games. And I know it's a tall order and it's not something that the Raiders necessarily do is go on runs like this. But hey, man, it's the first time for everything and you could not be set up any better to do it. You go five and one, or, you know, let's just say this, go four and one in the next five games. Put yourself above 500 and start leaning that way, man. And I'm telling you, we're not out of this. One and four last year, I would have been like, oh, hell no, it's over. It's different this year. I just alluded to it. It's different. The way teams are scoring and that kind of thing, man. Think about you. you be, think about just beating the Chiefs. One game. Beat the Chiefs. Let's not talk about the Cardinals or the Titans or any of that crap. Win one game against the Chiefs, dude. The Chiefs are 3-3 three and three right now. You win that one game. They're still 4-2. and two. We're only two games out right now. Okay, two and a half. Call it. We got a game to play. They still got some teams they got to play, too. I'm not even worried about that. Go on a run and find a way to get us to 10 and 6, 11 and 7, or, you know, or 10 and 7 or 11 and 6, which may seem outlandish right now. I don't think 10 and 7 is that far away. I don't, or that far out of the question. I really don't. But the way the schedule is lined up, like you said, the Rams are not what they were. Sorry. They can be ran at and ran over. We've seen it. The Niners are not what they were. They can be ran at and ran over, and you never know what you're going to get with Garoppolo. And even if, you know, Trey Lance is back, then I'll take that too because he wasn't exactly blowing anybody's doors off either. So there's a chance here to make a run and make this thing count, man. And you still got a lot of divisional games to play. So I don't know. I'm with it, but it ain't because of Nick Young or any of these other guys. It's because of me and what I see on paper what I have seen from us, you know, in these really close one possession games that we've, you know, we're seven and two in last year, we're 0 and four in this year. Well, turn that around and, and let's get to work. But that's your only chance is to go on a run. Sorry, long winded, but. You know, it's funny how two people, 
it's funny how two, you know, basically lifelong Raider fans with passion of the game can look at the same data, the same information, and have two completely different takes on it. But that's what that's what makes sports and life so beautiful. But you know, one of these models has it to where if we can win and carry our win streak as far as the Seahawks game, which would be you beat the Texans, Saints, Jags, and then you beat the Colts, Broncos, and Seahawks. So basically, if we win six in a row, one of these models has us up to as high as a 72% chance if we can get that. Our own silver and black hack model isn't as optimistic as, as some of these other ones. We only have it at, as a 56, just over 56% chance overall. Our model doesn't like our, you know, poor performance as far as the playmaker index don't don't just don't have enough effective pressures as a team defense only Max Crosby and you know Chandler Jones gave us a handful just in the last game on Monday night so it's not as it's not as as bullish on our team as some other models but the thing is okay everybody else is looking at the easy schedule like this is why we can get back into it guys that's exactly why it scares me because in the last two or three years, it's always been the tough part of our schedule where we played our best football. And as soon as people point out, okay, the Raiders have already got past the tough part of their schedule, and now they enter the easy part of their schedule, I don't know if the team takes a sigh of relief, takes a deep breath, exhales, whatever, but they always struggle. They play down. If, if, this, is, if this Raider team is like any of the other Raider teams of the last 20 years since the, the last Super Bowl appearance – this team will play down to at least four or five of those teams, those bad teams on the schedule. I don't know why they do it, man, because it should be what Raspy said. It should be the, the you know, the, the path has been paved ahead with, with cupcakes on the schedule. Like this is a custom-made schedule to get back into a playoff race for a team that started way below what they were supposed to. It's almost like it was scripted for the Raiders to come back and to get back into it. But in order for them to do so, they can't have that. We go on the road early morning on the East coast and stub your toes, not ready to play against, you know, the giants or whatever. We have a whole lot of giants on the schedule compared to what the giants used to be. Not this year's giants, but what the giants historically, the jets and giants historically have been. We have a whole lot of them on the schedule coming up. So raspy, is there any thought? Is there any concern with you at all that, the Raiders do what the Raiders always do and play down to some inferior teams, especially at some, you know, early kickoff times or whatever, and don't take advantage of the schedule where the the, the odds, the schedule makers rather laid it out perfectly for them. If they, it's there for them to take it, if they want to get back into the season. Yeah. And the difference is, is that we didn't start off like a ball of fire and get through that, you know, supposed tough stretch of the schedule this is where i think but at the same time even with that i I know we're one and four man and it's really hard to talk a lot of trash when you're one and four but these are all like come down to just a couple plays in each one of these games that are just they're not i wouldn't say necessarily a reflection of your team it's more some personal fallouts not fallouts but like you know like Darren Waller in in the game against uh who was it against the Titans where he had three drop balls or was it either that or the Cardinals one of the two it was the Titans Titans it was more like 
personal, like like individual guys just weren't doing what they needed to do, you know? So I feel like the team is starting to come together somehow. I know we're coming off of a loss, but we're coming off a loss in Arrowhead that we should have won the game. Now, I agree. I get it. We didn't. But I, I feel like, for me, they earned some respect there to show that, like, First couple weeks, Derek Carr was kind of was the problem. He hasn't been the problem the last few weeks, so I feel like like it's something to build on. And I mean, let's face it, man. Our next six opponents are a grand total of 13, 20, and two. Now I get what Hard saying playing down, I, but I I haven't seen that yet really necessarily playing down. I guess the Cardinals game we played down and to them the in the Titans. second half. The and tight, the Titans. The Titans. Titans in the first half. I get it, but we also showed some some grit in that Titans game to come back and make it a game, another game that I think that we could have put ourselves in positions to win. I just, I, I don't know, for some reason, maybe it's just Raider hope, just hoping, you know, hoping that maybe they can turn this thing around and I'm not having to mail it in week freaking six. Sorry, I just about dropped one. But I guess maybe some of it is that. And I just see that the fact is that, that this team is still good enough to win these games. We're just coming up short due to some individual player performances and a couple games where guys just flat out didn't hold their water and get their damn jobs done. The The possessions and the attempts and the opportunities were there. So it's not like we're getting blown out of these games. The one thing we were getting our asses kicked and getting blown out of these games. So I feel like, hey, if you can lose three out of four, in these, you know, in these tight ones that you should have, you know, a few of these miscues to fix some of this, change a little bit, change the dynamic, maybe get outside of your comfort zone a little bit and push to other guys and lean on some other guys to make some things happen. I don't see why you couldn't go win three or four out of the next four or five. I don't think it's that, un, you know, unheard of. Now, I get it. That's not what we have proven to do. But, hey, some of the stuff that's went on this year has been totally different than what has went on in the past few where you started off hot and got through the the beef and, you know, the meat and potatoes of your schedule and then you freaking pitfall through the linguine. I don't, I don't get it either. But I'm just hoping that maybe there's an opposite thing going on here. I, I truly feel if the Raiders come out and just straight put it on the Texans like I think they will, that that can just – change the whole trajectory of how we play lesser teams moving forward. I guess I'm just hopeful. I don't know. I don't really have any statistics to go off of because if I lean on the statistics, it says that we fall flat and fall short and play down. I just don't see that happening in the next few games for some reason. I don't know. This is why it concerns me, though, is because every, despite everything that you just said, you know, how, you know, especially how we're – Starting off differently, we usually start off hot and fade down the stretch, and that that was an absolute staple of the Gruden Raiders. I mean, that you could set your damn cl- calendar to that. If the Raiders are starting to lose games, it must be November, December. You didn't even need a calendar. I mean, you could just go by Gruden, and you knew what time of year it was. If it's if the Raiders are winning, it's it's early early fall. But this is why it worries me for this year too, though, is because. I already see one of the characteristics with this Raider team is that it doesn't matter who they play. They play the same game. This is exactly why it worries me so much, even more for this team than it did with the Raider, the Gruden Raiders or the ones before or Jack Del Rio, because this team has already shown me that they almost more than any, any of those Raider teams that they, they're already, 
you know, it was part of their identity is playing up or down because the Chiefs game, you should have won your one catch, your one, you know, running into the receivers, running into each other, your one play call, potentially a different play call from beating the Chiefs at Arrowhead, something that we dream every year about having the opportunity to do. But then the same Raiders team loses to a, a horrible Cardinals team that had no weapons, no no defanged, completely defanged. You lose to them. You lose to the Titans. You know, the Chargers are not that good. We we treated them like they were supposed to be what the Chargers were supposed to be. It just seems like this team already, it doesn't matter who we play, we put out the same product every week, except for the Bronco game where we took care of business. We'll see if things, if this changes. Um, what are some of your keys, Raspy? What, what, are, what are some of the other things that you have your eye on here? Real quick, though, I do see in the last two weeks, which would have been the Bronco game and the Chiefs game, is that we have reestablished the identity of how we're going to go forward. And that I see as progression. So I feel okay. like if we can if we can lean on that, man, and, you know, lean on this run game and let these young bucks get off the line and start pushing ahead, I just feel like things can change. So, But other keys to this game, man, I mean, one of my main keys to this game – is something that I don't know if we can necessarily say we can hang our hats on by any means, but if there's one thing that the Houston Texans do well, is this freaking rookie, Damian Pierce, man. This kid is running like Jacob says. He's possessed, man. This guy is dogging people. So you're going against Davis Mills and Damian Pierce pretty much. So if it were up to me, shut down this run game, man. And let Davis Mills have to be the one to do it. Let the gooseneck have to try to be the one to win this game. Don't don't fall back and let Damian Pierce just run all over you and gash you because that will it'll put a put us in a bad way in a in a hurry. So that's one of my keys is just to allow this run game, which has been playing, you know, his defensive run game's been They've been, that's one area of the defense and the only area we can say has been holding their water so far. So It's been the best Raiders run defense, at least through this point in the season. You could argue it's been the best runners, Raiders rush defense in the last five to seven years and one of the best Raider run defenses of the last 10 years so far. So I agree with you. That's the one thing, the one weapon that the Texans – bring to the desert in Las Vegas to the Death Star that could actually hurt the Raiders is this young rookie running back who has been, you know, creating explosive runs, just really, I mean, almost like in old school NFL films, John Facenda highlight runs out here. But the Raiders run defense has been the only thing, as Raspy just said, the only consistent thing that they've done all year is stuff the run. I mean, we're giving up you know, well under four yards a carry, under 3.5 yards per carry. Andrew Billings, Bilal Nichols, not getting after the quarterback like like they could, like we want them to. But they, boy, they've been living up to really what they were brought in for, first and foremost. They've been doing that job. They've been sealing off any run lanes up the middle. Max Crosby has been the best run defending edge rusher in the league. He just so happens to be the best pass rusher in the league as well. So the Ra- the Perryman, I don't think anyone in Raider Nation needs any sort of breakdown or to be debriefed about how solid he is against the run. So the Raiders' run defense should be up to the task, Raspy. I agree with you on that. What else do you got? 
Well, it comes down to uh, how this secondary is going to adapt and what they're going to come with, too, because like we alluded to earlier, Hobbs is out. This is a chance for, you know, a guy who really showed his medal in Baltimore to come through and, and shine. And I, I truly do. I think Averett's going to have a hell of a game. I really do. We're going to have – and we're gonna, he's going to have to. So um, I still like what I've seen out of Rock. Now, is he setting the world on fire? No, he is not. But is he playing fairly well in coverage? Absolutely. He has not been the issue. Our safeties have been the problem, and it's been coverage from the linebackers and the safeties that are just killing us across the middle of the field. And Art will hit you with that, too. I mean, it's it's been bad. So, Averett's got to play big. We, we got to – he's got to go out there and show up and show out. So, I mean, offensively, we know what we got to do, man. Stick to the script, dude. Run this rock, man. We have a guy behind our O-line who is running his ass off. You better get every nickel you can get out of this, man, because we don't know where he's going to be next year. We'll, we'll see how that goes. You hear this trade deadline stuff. What a – what do you think Josh Jacobs would do for a team like Buffalo? <laughs> you know what I mean? I the way he's running right now, put him behind. You know, put no him way they trade him though. There's no chance. I'm not, I'm not saying we would. I'm just saying he's a guy that teams would love to have right now. We haven't. Let's let's ride that thing, man. Let's let's get on that bullet train and let's keep it going forward, man, and and take it to him. We actually have a question about that um, and ask Raspy a little bit later about Josh yeah. Jacobs. But, you know, the, just piggybacking off of what you said, the, the linebacker coverage and the safety coverage outside of Deron Harmon has just been terrible, guys. I don't know what has happened with, with uh, Trayvon Merrig. I was expecting a whole lot more. Raspy, I don't know, and a lot of you guys out there too in Raider Nation, I, I know a lot of you guys were talking about this on social media, on Raider Twitter to be more specific, but there's this article that came out. This is kind of, you know, Raspy kind of cued me up perfectly for this. There's this article that came out that was talking about, you know, Mike Pritchard. Yeah, former Bronco Mike Pritchard, but he, for those that don't know, he actually lives in Vegas, in the Vegas area now, and he actually covers the Raiders. He left the Broncos and was lured over to the dark side and is part of Raider Nation now, and he's covering the Raiders, and he was uh, interviewed, Raspy, as part of this article, and there were some really interesting things that he said. Uh, we're not going to go over the whole article here because of time restraints. We don't want to keep you guys here. And you can uh, find it on online for those that are curious and want to, you know, kind of read through and comb through the entire article and, and get all the details. You can do that for yourselves out there on social media. But, he, you know, Pritchard, amongst others, were talking about Patrick Graham. Raspy and Pritchard was talking about because obviously the Raiders defense, you know, for all the people that, you know, the Derek Carr versus the defensive debates, and I've been in the middle of those every year. This year, this really is no debate, guys, because the Raiders offense is sixth in points as it's currently uh, sitting, sixth in points and third in points per drive, third in the league in points per drive, the third most efficient offense scoring points in the league. And we all know that that would actually be much higher if they were at least a little bit more efficient in the red zone. So that just goes to show you that 
is this offense is where we pretty much expected it to be with a lot of room to grow this. There could be a lot higher ceiling yet to come from this offense, but this defense raspy Pritchard was saying that, you know, the Raiders defense is in the bottom third in most categories and football outsiders, you know, before we get to Pritchard's comments, Raspy was talking about this coverage from the linebackers coverage lack of coverage from the linebackers and from the safeties. And they predominantly, we all know they predominantly cover in the middle of the field. Football Outsiders has been tracking this, guys. And the numbers, it's one of those things where we could see it as we're watching the games live. You can't always see everything that's going on during a live broadcast. As we know, sometimes you need to see the All-22, see the film to see what's going on. This is one thing, Raspy, that we could all see as we're just watching the games live. It, nobody is covered in the middle of the football field on this defense. It's just an open an open door. Football Outsiders has been tracking this, and the numbers across the middle of the field, guys, and coverage has just been abysmal. We're allowing 71 completions out of 83 attempts for 812 yards, four touchdowns, four tutties, as Raspy Raider likes to say, Zero INTs were given up an 80.7 completion percentage, getting gashed for 9.2 yards per attempt, and it's all given up for a way too, just an unacceptable 64.2 DVOA in the middle of the field, guys. And Pritchard's argument, Raspy, was that he's watched the tape. He's a former NFL wide receiver. He knows the game. He knows defense. He had to run routes against defenses all of his career. He says what he turns on the tape and what he sees when he looks at this defense raspy, and I'll lean on you because you're more of a defensive guy than I am. He says that the Raiders defense with Patrick Graham is just far too complex. Guys are standing flat footed across the middle of the field and having to rally behind, you know, trying to make plays after the fact when guys have already caught the ball running with space in the middle of the field. And it's, re it's all reactionary in the middle of the field, man. It's, there's just, and he also pointed out how the giants, you know, were stunned when Patrick Graham decided to move on and come to Vegas and leave them sort of high and dry. But then, you know, Brian Dayball was able to bring in, I think it was Wink Martindale Raspy and Pritchard's point was that their defense, the Giants defense got better with defensive talent that was thought to be inferior to what Graham has with the Raiders and the Raiders defense is still, I would say through six weeks is worse than what a lot of you guys weren't, weren't happy with what Gus Bradley did a year ago. I would argue that this, these results have been worse overall. Raspy, what are your thoughts, man? Being the, the former linebacker defensive end type, I know you you have a you, you watch games with a special you know attention a certain eye on the defense. What are you seeing? Do you agree with Pritchard's comments about the system being too complex defensively? What are you seeing? Just tell Raider Nation what you're seeing. You know, from a defensive standpoint. Well, as much as I hate to agree with a former Bronco on anything, I do agree with what he's talking about in the middle of the field and the stats. The numbers don't lie. It looks like a freaking open gate in the middle of the field. That has to be fixed. I mean, it looks like you're playing 10 on 11 out there. That's You're going to lose, man. That has been the gaping hole in this defense. That's another thing. Like I said, I don't think our corners have played 
that terribly. I know Hobbs had a really rough game. We're kind of learning that it was because he was dealing with something. But it's it's been the middle of the field and feast into these tight ends. I mean, the numbers he's dude, they're throwing eighty percent across the middle. I mean, eighty with nine point two yards per yeah. attempt. It's week. a first down. It's damn near a first down every time a throw goes across the middle. I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? So absolutely, I agree with that. And you're right. It was Wink Martindale who went to New York. And uh, Wink Martindale was a guy that we thought we should have went out and really went after in a big way. Now, we went after Graham. Now, and if it is, if it does break down to complexity, then just there's an easy way to fix that, dude. Simplify this stuff. When it comes down to defense and offense, man, a lot of it is bare bones. Now, there's a lot of intricacies and things you can do to make things real complex and confusing and real hard to deal with but there's also 11 guys on 11 guys man we talked about these weak ass zones and a lot of this empty space just getting just murked across the middle lots of these soft zones hey man what about start playing a little bit of too deep with some man mixed in there man to where you can have guys putting a hat on a hat putting some meat on some meat man and making guys go up and force coverage. If you if, if you're gonna run this soft zone stuff, you better damn sure have somebody over the middle to figure out that section of the defense. I mean, it's it's absolutely blasphemous to think that you're out there running zone, but your defense has a gaping hole that's twenty by twenty yards in the middle of the field. I mean, Ooh, oh, everybody oh. in their right mind would know exactly where to go and take advantage, right? But I'll ask you, Raspy, you know, having played and watched defense closely like you have, college, pro, high school, the whole the whole deal, what zone are you, even Madden, for, for, you know, for crying out loud, what zone are you familiar with that you've either played in or watched or observed, studied, whatever, where there's no one in the middle of the field? I, I'm having a hard time thinking, there's you know, cover one. one, cover two, cover three, cover four. There is nobody in the middle of the field. I just don't remember a zone defense that seems to be built this way, seems to be constructed, because we've done this week after week, Raspy. You think if this is just some blown assignments the first couple weeks, okay, we're not familiar with the scheme, that would have been corrected by now, but it just seems like week after week, the middle of the field. I just – what zone are they running where there's no – there's no coverage at all in the middle of the field. I'm just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Well, there ain't a zone on paper that's going to leave the middle of the field open. That's part of the reason why you run zone is to give cloud coverage in areas and to have one guy kind of covering his quadrant. And let's, let's be honest. There's nobody in that quad, homie. I don't know. I have no idea. And a guy with this kind of track record and the ability he has shown as a defensive coordinator to slow down some of these really dynamic quarterbacks in this league for, you know, the last few years, I have no clue. It's not about talent because I tell you right now, you know, Mr. Diablo can cover in the middle of the field, but if he, if, if you got a defense drawn up where he's out playing, you know, quarters, mid quarters or whatever, he's not going to be in the middle of the field. So I have no clue 
what in the hell is going on. It has to be fixed. Whatever the hell needs to take place needs to take place in a hurry. Because if you look at those numbers, man, if those continue, it won't matter what you do on the back end, bro. If they can just feast over the middle on you, defenses and our offenses are going to see that and they're going to find ways to scheme it and make it even worse to spread you out and to open up the middle of the field. What what would we give to have the middle of the field open 80% of the time? Are you kidding I mean, me? We'd be 4-1 or, or undefeated yeah. right now. It's with that, crazy. And Raspy, it's even worse, too, because the other real weakness that this Raiders defense, we were just talking about this, the other real weakness that this Raiders defense has, it plays into this, this middle of the field uh, lack of coverage problem because – when you give up those kind of numbers consistently across the board in the middle of the field, that means teams are able to move the ball pretty well at ease between the 20s. Well, that that compounds. The biggest problem with this Raiders defense, and it's directly related to this middle of the field problem, teams move the ball easily through the air, through the middle of the field since they can't run. They just throw. And then they get, they're easily able to move from 20 to the red zone, from their 20 to our red zone, where we're historically bad. So it's almost like we've just given a free yellow brick road to the end zone because you, we're not going to cover the middle of the field through the air. We're going to allow you to get inside of our 20 easily because we're not going to cover anything in the middle of the field. And once you get to our 20 raspy, like you said, the barn doors open. The the goats, the cows, the chickens, every everyone's out. Every all they're all running free out in the fields, man. They're out, they're out. They've all escaped. So I and it's it's especially troubling to me because you you combine those issues, Raspy, with the defense that does seem to be too complex, where guys are thinking and reacting and not playing fast, and you're you're not able to. It's not a good combination when you're you're confused, you're playing reactionary, and you can't pressure the quarterback. This is why, and some of you guys are going to say that we're bringing up water under the bridge again. This is why we 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 supported, we endorsed bringing Gus Bradley back because he's the antithesis to all of these things defensively. He's simple where this is complex. He's run forward and get to the quarterback where this is. Well, if they do this, you do that. But if they do this, you do that. But if they do this, you do that. You start getting reactionary like that, man. And like you said, it's just you're playing flat-footed. And by the time the completion's made, you're just trying to collapse and run at the play. It's too late. We play late. That's a good way to put it, too, is you're playing flat-footed and late. And if you're late, man, then they're just going to feast on you and just – Take, you know, 9.2 per. It's pretty simple. You know what else that brings up, Raspi? It's a beautiful point that you just queued up again, as you normally do, because what that also does is, you know, nine... I did, I'm just I'm just still trying to wrap my head around 9.2 yeah. yards per play, man. I mean, you just can't... I, I don't know, man. We... I don't know if, if they can even simplify this thing at this point. I, you know, it, it's. I think you I'm, can. I'm a, I think you can. I think you can. You can have some man mixed in. Play some man. If it's if you're gonna just open the freaking barn door, or the floodgates, the proverbial floodgate, then you might as well get out of that BS and start playing some man. Because it couldn't look any worse than this. At least you'll have a guy in that 
area of the field for crying out loud. What the hell are we doing? I'd rather drop back Clee Farrell and let him stand back there and at least be a obstruction. I mean, what are we even talking about? This is ridiculous. Because, you know, the, the point that you brought up was so brilliant because when you're late, as you mentioned, we're late on defense, we're late on coverage. What else does that prevent you from doing when you're late on all your assignments and in, in coverage especially? Because you're not late against the run. Being able to freaking play ahead of the offense, being able to pressure, being able to do anything before you're waiting for it. Force turnovers as yeah. well. Cause How are you going to force turnovers if you're running behind the, the ball? Cause some miscommunications and coverage. Cause anything. I mean, for crying out loud, you're not causing anything. You see that that Chiefs game that we've, we've mentioned a couple times. You know, Mahomes loses at home scoring 20 points. He was leading him on that final drive. We all thought he was going to lead him down and score a touchdown, and a Bills defender jumped a route and picked it off. You can't do that if, if you're doing what Raspy said and you're rallying behind the ball to make the tackle. You, there's just Unless somebody tips a ball, unless the receiver has something bounce off his hands and put something, a ball in the air, you're never going to intercept the ball. That's another thing that this Raiders defense just does not do is turn the football over enough. They don't make those splash plays. <sighs> made one all season and it helped you win the game. Imagine that. Right. Right. We may be 0 and 5. Or would no be yeah, 0 and 5 right now. Yeah. Who knows what happens if you don't change the trajectory of that game with that amic, you know, formal return. I mean, who knows? You play it's late, bro. It's you know, <laughs> you're going to be left behind, bro. That's the way this NFL is, man. It has to be – you can't play reactive defense, man. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. You have to be able to put yourself in positions to force these offenses to make bad decisions. Now, if everything's just laid out on a silver platter and they can just dink and dunk and, and shoot, 9.2 ain't dinking and dunking. That's not. That's gashing <laughs> you. That is gashing you. Right. I mean, let's get realistic, guys. I mean, how the hell Patrick Graham doesn't see, man, my defense is giving up 9.2 per over the middle at 80%. What in the hell am I doing? 65 DVOA. I mean, it's go just... Change, it's... Go change it, man. I mean, damn. I mean, how more blatant could it be? It's right there. It's really frustrating and scary, Raspy. It really is because as, as much of a laydown as this game should be on paper, as much of a blowout, as easy money as this should be, to use a Vegas term, to get this game, to get this win for the, for the Raiders, and we're going to have our official scores well, and predictions here in a minute. It, it makes it scary, man, because the, the bye week struggles, the defensive issues across the middle, the playing down to lesser competition historically and this season, it, it paints a, a game to where the Raiders could lose this game, Raspy. It's not a gimme. No, when I tell you what, man, Jacksonville was, was feeling themselves after whooping the piss out of the Chargers the week before. Went into Houston and got stomped out, scored six points. Houston, one thing they do have over there in Houston and they don't give up a lot of, they got a good D. Their D Love can play man. some ball. Their D can play some damn ball. So if you think you're going to go in there and just rough shot, 
you know, without being able to stop these guys and playing piss poor defense, you're gonna find out real quick, bro. You're gonna go home with an L two and your season will be over. So yeah, Lovey Smith, isn't it Lovey Smith down there? Yeah. He, he you know, that guy can coach up some D. And what did he what what kind of defense was he known for before he left the Bears and yeah. went to college for a minute? Wasn't it too deep? Uh yeah, too deep. Let's he's let's a too deep guy. He's a too deep guy. It's what he that's what he's made his money One on. One thing so. I do like is that we are showing probably more than we even really want to wrap our minds around or even admit. Carr is actually starting to show that he can score some points against the two deep. So the run game has helped a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, you run them out of that shit and you make sure that they know that they can't just keep you stuffed and smothered all day. Excuse my language. But, yes, so, like I said, man, don't fall into that trap, dude. Go out there, put it on this team, and walk away with one. We're going to learn a lot. This is a big game for Carr, too. You said it yourself, Art, when we were talking off air. This is a big game for Carr. You have to go win this game, dude. Our season will be – you go to one and five, it's over, bro. You're probably picking in the top ten if you lose this game. I regardless agree. of how the rest of the season – because you can't you can't bank any wins if you lose to this team after the buy nope. at home with everything on the on the line. Nope. But, but I tell you what you can't do, you go stomp this team out like you're supposed to, you can take that and you can roll that into New Orleans and you can start putting hands on teams, man. But it starts this weekend. It's so important that they keep the momentum. It's weird to say keep the momentum going there after a loss. There was momentum, but there was. Kansas City. You're not Man, lying. If Nick, if Nick Wright is saying, "Wait a minute," I, I you know, as much as I hate the Raiders, because he's always the first one to say we're frauds. Oh, he's always the first oh, one yeah. to say Derek Carr is just a joke. All this stuff. If he's saying, "Look," as much as I would love to, even I just can't bring myself to close the door on this Josh McDaniels version of the Raiders and Derek Carr. That tells you something there, but you have to go out and take care of business, man. You just you you have to do it. Um, you have any other keys before we take a couple questions and give our official predictions? My main key is to go out and beat a damn team that you should. Like we've talked about, get Mr. Mac Hollins involved a little bit more in this game. Where the hell did he went? He went and took a vacation in Hawaii for the last two weeks. Let's go. Just go win the damn ball game, man, and keep the season alive. I mean, you have to do that. And, you know, I don't I think we really are appreciating just how much if the Raiders, if the if the Raiders just made this change and nothing else, if they just made the change that they beat the teams that they should beat and beat them handily, just that change alone. I don't think we realize just how much good that that could do for the Raiders this season and beyond. You know, and I'm not even saying be, I mean, I would love to beat them handily, but just go win the games you're supposed to win. I don't even care what it looks like. Just go win the damn games you're supposed to win and come out victorious on the end of these games against teams like the freaking Texans and the Saints who can't figure out what in the hell they're even going to do at quarterback. And, you know, come on, man. Like I said, we did not go into the season trying to be some NFL darling and and wistfully get our way to 10, 11 wins. We were supposed to come out and dominate and put it on people. 
Start doing that, man. And let's start creating an identity that we can run the damn ball. And then we got big dog to go over top with, meaning Devontae. And we have other weapons, too, that we need to start using a lot better than we have been. And guys that need to step up. And I don't know where the hell it's going to come from, but it has to come from somewhere. One of these guys has to pull their... Pull their own card, man. Pull your own punk card and say, I haven't been doing my job. It's time for me to step up and have these guys do something to make a freaking play and to find a way to put a team away that you should just flat out beat. Couldn't agree more, man. And and on that note, if Hunter Renfro is listening to this show, man, it's time to go ahead and enter the chat for the 2022 season, man. We're approaching the midway point we'll all just forget about you know everything else that's that's transpired since about halfway through last season but it's time you got your money you got your contract same thing goes for darren waller we're just not sure he's gonna be able to strap it up and play with that hamstring but all reports are that hunter renfro was a full participant this week in practice there's no mention of any setbacks his concussion is behind him, so it's time to it's time to leave your impact, your fingerprints on the 2022 season, my man, because you got paid like that's what was expected out of you, and the time is now. Derek Carr needs another weapon to go to. He needs a comfort blanket on third and short, so Hunter Renfro, it's time, man. You read my mind, brother. I mean, it had to be said, Raspy, but... Do, do you have anything else on this game before we, you know, do a, a little bit of ask Raspy here and, and drop our, our prediction? No, man, when you're, when you're one and four, man, and you have the capability of what I truly feel this team has, and we've seen how it's been just lackluster and you're still in one possession games every damn week, I don't know how much more I can say besides get your, get your guys' selves together. Get your stuff together, and let's start playing like that team we thought we were going to be and not the team we have been. Couldn't agree more, man. If there's ever a time to live up to your team, to your team motto, man, it's – you just yeah, have quit, to – Quit just saying that commitment win, to baby. excellence and start showing that commitment yeah. to excellence and just winning, baby. Got to do it now, man, if there's ever a time. But, guys, it's time to quickly – move over to uh, one of our favorite segments of the week. And that's, of course, let's ask Raspy, guys. We have three really good questions again. Again, guys, keep them coming. Uh, we It's getting harder and harder to choose because the questions are just every week. You guys are really leveling up your game and doing your best to keep us on our toes with these questions. And uh, as always, guys, if we don't get to your question this week, it, it, as long as it's not – too game specific or about a certain opponent, there's always that chance that we could get back to your question later on in the season. Obviously, if it's about, you know, the Chiefs or whatever, unless we, you know, until we play the Chiefs again, that's probably not going to come up. But otherwise, guys, just good general questions. There's always that chance that we'll come back around to them. But this week, we want to start off with Tim on Twitter. And a lot of you guys were asking about this. So, you know, Tim is kind of speaking for a lot of you guys out here with this question. But Tim wants to know, guys, what about the trade rumors? William Jackson, the third question mark, JC Horn, question mark, offensive line, question mark. Oh, man. It's tough, Tim. When you're a one in 14, how hard can you really push to go get a guy? Is he really going to make that much of a difference in 
changing up your whole dynamic. I get it. The Williams thing, J.C. Horn, uh, that's a that's a that's a sexy pickup. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yes. That's a sexy pickup, and I, I get it. And I, I really, I wouldn't be mad at it. I just, I guess it depends on what you'd have to give for it at this point. But at this point, I just think, I don't think we're one player away. I don't. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Hart's probably with me on that. We've had numerous conversations, and it reminds me, I feel like I'm having like deja vu in a sense, but I don't know. I don't feel like we're one player away. I feel like we're multiple players away. But also you could look at that, well, if we're multiple players away, well, how could it hurt to go get a guy like that? Now, if you can go get a J.C. Horn and you're not killing yourself to do it, I like it because of the young talent and, you know, the ceiling this guy has. But I also just feel like he would come into the system and it would – I don't think he would make that much of a difference right then and there because I feel like it's there's there's way more there if you get what I'm saying. I could be I could be wrong on this, but although those are like sexy names and exciting, I still feel like we're further away than that, but I'm also with you. Hey man, if you want to go get a guy who's young, then I'm not going to be pissed at it, but I just feel like that's not going to change where we're at right now. I don't I think we're we're more like 3 4 players away than we are one. But hey, I guess if you can go get one, go get them. Sorry, I really didn't answer that, Tim, but but you got me thinking on that one because I as much as I feel like, you know, one way about it. Damn, I'd love to have JC Horn wearing silver and black. Holy cow. Well, Tim, I'll I'll just answer this question. It's it's some sometimes when we interact with people on Twitter or whatnot, it's hard to kind of read subtext or context between the lines. I'm guessing that what you're saying is are the Raiders because when you when you mention offensive line, that kind of steers me more towards you're thinking about will the Raiders make a deal at the deadline that's going to help this year. I'm with Raspy on this. The only reason why the Raiders would make a trade this year would be to stock up talent for future years because we're not just one player away. And the the problem with that is, Tim, is that this season was billed as a all-in season. So this roster was supposed to be comprised as a ready-to-make, you know, ready-to-go, ready-made playoff roster, especially off of making the playoffs a year ago. So to me, if you find yourself at the trade deadline and you're already needing to make a trade to, to further solidify your roster, that tells me that the all-in scenario didn't work and you're not as close as you thought you were because you you thought your roster was, was ready to compete for a playoff spot at the very least coming into the season. You didn't come in saying we're still a few players away. I agree we're not just a player away. But if we're going to trade for the future, one name that, that's been – sort of dangled out there that you didn't mention in your question, and I'm sure that you wouldn't be upset if they went this way. If you're going to trade for the future, why not go out there and get Brian Burns? This is a guy that I've been screaming from the mountaintops ever since the draft that year, that that's the guy that they should have gotten instead of Cleve Farrell. Raspy talks about it. He knows it. A lot of you guys that have been longtime listeners know that, that I've mentioned that. I mean, 
nothing could help this team or this defense more than another pure pass rusher that could impact this team in the same way, the same level that Max Crosby does from the other side. And each guy could just do so much to help the other in terms of pass rush. It would be an unblockable duo. We would actually be getting the edge rush duo that we thought we were getting by bringing in Chandler Jones. But even better, we'd be getting that same duo with two very young edge rushers just starting off and wouldn't be a young one with an older one. Even if Chandler Jones was what we thought he was, was going to be this year, guys, we all knew that at best he's got a couple years left before it's going to start winding down. So that would not be the case with Brian Burns. I don't, but to answer your question, I do not think the Raiders make a trade. And unless they're, they they have their eye on the long-term building, the long-term future, I don't think they will make a trade either. Boy, oh boy, could you imagine Brian Burns and Max Crosby on bookends? Oh my gosh, that would be absolutely filth. Oh, Damn, I can imagine I it. <laughs> I can Damn, imagine I it. All right. I, I, and I also and I also didn't touch on the offensive line. Tim, I don't think the offensive line is as big of an issue as everybody thinks it is. And it's I'm not, not I'm not and I'm not poo-pooing on your question by any means, homie. I just I've seen what this offense this offensive line went into Kansas City and gave us every opportunity to win the damn game. So, so first, first in the league in run uh, yeah. run block win rate and yeah, we, pass these, block. These boys are playing really good run. They're having really good run blocking grades. They're through the roof, man. Obviously, you're top of the league. And, and and the past game has been pretty good, too, man. I, I really think that we're working on something good there. Trust the Patriot way on that. Because that's one thing why I will trust the Patriot way. These guys always just feel the good off it. Do they – oh, Nate Solder, you like him? You can have him. We'll let him go. We'll try – you know, like – They never they, have they, offensive line issues, they do they? They seem to always have middle-of-the-road type draft picks that just show up and show out and play really good – so, sorry I didn't touch on that, Tim, but I, I think the offensive line, I think we're good. I think we leave that alone. I think we let some of that cohesiveness and that continuity start to build because let's just flat out say we've seen it in the last two weeks, man. The boys have been getting it done. So, I love it, Tim. Thank you for the question, man. Appreciate it so much. Love the banter, man. Yeah, best run blocking line in the league. Again, this is why we said you don't need to invest a whole lot of draft capital or cap dollars in your offensive line. But that's neither here nor there. Um, thanks for the question, though, Tim. But getting on, moving on to David. Um, I hope I don't butcher your last name here, man. Forgive me if I do. David Gaudieri wants to know this is something that raspy touched on a little bit earlier but we can kind of finish our points on it here simply did the raiders mess up by not re-signing josh jacobs before the season i'm gonna call him david g because i don't want to mess up his last name either <laughs> um david i i don't know if it was necessarily a mess up man because we were seeing I, it, it wasn't till about the last run of that season, the last four or five games where Josh really started giving us what we were expecting and we had flat out seen the first couple years. So I'm not going to say that we messed up because look what we're getting out of him now. If you give him that extension, does he play this way? Does he come out with this chip on his shoulder and run just like he is just 
on one every single game. I don't know if he does. I mean, we look at look at the guys we gave the bag to. They're falling flat for us, David. So I don't think we messed up yet. And the, and the beauty of it is, man, is that if he really wants to be here and, and we can put something together and start building something, we still have an opportunity to sign him. Now, I get it. There'll be other teams that have the opportunity too, but we will kind of have the last say on that. So I don't think so. I think it might have been something that needed to happen. And, boy, what a, what a return we're getting on it, you know, early and often. So oh, I see where you're coming from, and let's hope that bridges aren't burnt there. But I think if they were, I don't think he'd be playing as hard as he was unless he's just trying his butt off to get the hell out of here. I don't know. We'll see. But in the meantime, I sure like the productivity he's given me or given us. So, I, you know, I'm not mad at it because at the time, I don't think I would have given him the contract either. I don't think I would have given him the bag, and that's just me. Yeah, David, I agree here, man. You know, he brought up Renfro and Waller. I don't really think anything else even needs to be said, even Chandler Jones, but I, that's a little bit of a different circumstance. Let Josh Jacobs earn the bag, and here's the thing. Will there be other suitors? Yes, there will. But there's also a thing that we've all heard of called the franchise tag. If they really wanted to make sure that they can bring him back, they have that that lever, that ability to do so, and would probably be cheaper than some offers that he would get if he gets a top-flight offer. He's certainly been a top-five running back this year. So, no, I agree with Raspy. My answer is no, the Raiders did not make a mistake. This is the risk that was always – that they were willing to take. This is always the risk that was there that you don't sign him and he could all of a sudden use that as motivation. This is what they wanted to happen. Motivate yeah. him, prove his value – and now you have some options at your disposal. If you really don't want to let the guy go, slap a franchise tag on him and keep it moving. I love so, it, man. Love it. Great question, Thank David. You. Thank you, David. Appreciate that, man. Hell yeah. Keep them coming, guys. Great question. And finally, Aaron, uh, Aaron Williams has a very snarky question. Oh, yeah? I'll just come out. Yeah, he says, guys, is Derek Carr – the second best quarterback in the AFC West. <laughs> Snarky. Justin Herbert does he's more talented, hey, but he does not look better right now. Hey, I don't know what's going on. No, Aaron, Aaron, you're not wrong, man. I'm gonna say at this point in time, after what I saw, what I saw the other night on Monday night, yeah. I mean I've been the one that I was calling a couple of years back for us to make a trade and try to go get a young quarterback, you know. So it's tough, man. The more and more Hart and I talk about it and the more and more we dissect. Dude, give this guy a damn defense. That's the only way it's going to happen. But if you have to start over with a young buck, first off, you don't know what you're getting in. Hart has said this a million times. Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next Peyton Manning with legs. I mean, like he was as sure shot as it was going to be. Look at his record in the last two years with Derek Carr. It's been underwhelming. Would you, you want to trade that, you know, for what Jacksonville's got as to what we've got output? So it's tough. And I'm again, I'm on Carr. And I, I, I'm not a 
I'm not a car hater because I'm not going to put myself in that level. For me, it's more like with car. I just need him to be the guy to just put teams away and, and to be that that savage who has that killer instinct. That's my main gripe about car. But uh, I'd say right now, man, to answer your question, Aaron, yes, he's the second best quarterback in this division right now. And I don't. And right now, I don't know how close it actually is from the, you know, second to third. You know, Aaron, I'll be snarky right back with you. I, you know, I think Herbert is the second most talented quarterback in this division. I think he's a top five most talented quarterback in the league. And we've, we've all just sort of been sitting here waiting on Herbert to ascend. And, you know, the numbers are there. The eye test is there. But something just isn't clicking. Maybe it's Brandon Staley. I don't know. But it's just not clicking. But I'll be snarky right back, Aaron, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to match you there because – I told all of you guys about Russell Wilson, man. I told all you guys that this guy was not going to be better than Derek Carr. He's talking more Herbert, but obviously the the, the other elephant in the room Russell, here is that Russell, Russell Wilson's last. I think Russell Wilson's right there at his comment, too. I think he's right up in there in that flex. Oh, too. he is. He, he is. But that's why I'm taking it there, that obviously the – it's the snarkier angle is that he's saying he's better than Justin Herbert right now, but everybody would agree right now. He's like, even Sierra right now, if you, if you got her with some truth serum would say Derek Carr's playing better than her husband is right now. I mean, I told you guys that it's just so weird to me, Raspy, how everybody took this trade and I'm talking Bronco fans, non-Bronco fans, even Raider nation. I was hearing this. Everybody just assumed, uh Oh, the Broncos got Russell Wilson. We're in trouble. It's just so weird to me how even the national writers that don't even have a dog in the fight, that they just write about the NFL in general. Nobody, and I mean nobody but me seemingly, took two seconds to look at this trade from the Seahawks' point of view and explain how it made any sense at all from the Seahawks' point of view unless they thought he was done. It just did not make any sense. I said this a couple weeks ago, unless you think Pat, Pat Carroll – and John Schneider are secretly Bronco secret agents trying to help them win a ring. It made no other sense unless they thought he was done. So right now, Derek Carr is the second best quarterback in the division. We'll see if that lasts or if Herbert, you know, kind of gets himself together when, especially when Keenan Allen comes back. But right now he's by far better than Russell Wilson. I'll tell you that. And I don't think that's going to change. So told you guys about Russell Wilson, man. On a a side note, I had a buddy of mine send me a little – a little uh, video and he was listening to Denver radio and they have their little like uh, pre-recorded little, you know, sections coming off in and out of commercial breaks, coming in and out of commercial breaks, you know, and it goes, can Russ be fixed or will this go down as the big, as the worst trade in NFL history? Oh boy. I'm like, damn, you got Denver saying that they're pissed. They are upset. And you know what? I could give a, you know what less. I think it's hilarious. I think Art was obviously right. I mean, the guy looks, he looks bad, dude. He started 10 of 10 in that game, and everybody's like, yeah. And he commits to go five of 18 after like, 18 yards from the second quarter yeah, through the end of was, overtime. It was pathetic, dude. And it was pathetic. So, yeah, Aaron, I mean, right now, man, snarky or not, DC is probably, I mean, numbers wise, he's playing better than, you know, 
the other two. And Mahomes is and he probably isn't too far off on numbers with Mahomes at this point, which is crazy to think too, but this, he's this been top is, ten this year after that rocky first couple man. weeks. He's been top yeah. ten this season after he found himself in this offense. So well, let's hope that continues, man, and we can go on a run here and go get ourselves right back up in the thick of this, man. It ain't like I said. Any other year, the last three years, one and four, I'd say, damn, wheels have fell off. I don't, I don't, I, I, I can't say that this year. I just can't. Well, why now, don't you we give go, us your prediction? Well, I think we finally hit that thirty banger just at the just at the note. I think we win this game thirty to seventeen, man. I think we find a way to go and. uh and kind of control the game and dictate how this thing goes and find a way to, you know, for us, man, a 13-point win is a blowout as far as I'm concerned. So I know it's the Texans, but I, I feel like we can find a way to score some points on this team. We can do it early and often. And I think the defense tries to rally. I think Averett plays well, and you get a surprise ever from the defense and you keep the team under 20. I just I don't think it's that far-fetched. That's where I'm at. I think it's going to be closer than what we want it to be, guys. I just – I have to see this team handle and bury inferior teams, especially at home, before I can just call these blowouts. I tried that earlier this year, and I've been burned. I do think we get the win. I think the Raiders win 34-24, to 24, and I think there's some dicey moments. I think there's some moments in the first half or maybe even early in the second half where we're really wondering where this game is going to go. But ultimately, the more talented, the better coached team at home pulls away. The more desperate, the more hungry team at home pulls away. Your Las Vegas Raiders win 34 over the Houston Texans 24. So that's my prediction, guys. Raspy, you have anything else before we kind of, um, you know, let, let everybody uh, let everybody loose for the rest of the week, get ready for this game? Let's just say the only way to start a winning streak is to to win that first one, man. So let's go get that first one, and we'll approach it from there, and we'll talk about it from there moving forward. But go get that first one, and let's get a streak going, man. Nation, love you guys. Appreciate each and every one of you guys listening, tuning in, man. We are we are seeing some some growth in this podcast. We're loving it, man. We appreciate it, and it's because of you guys. So. Keep hitting us up, man, on ways to get better on, on things that we can do. I love the interaction. I love Ask Raspy. It's one of my favorite things. I love going off the cuff with you guys, trying to give you the best answers that I can, man. May not always be what you want to hear, but I'm going to be real with you, man, because that's all I know how to be. But uh, I just really enjoy this, man. This is like therapy for us. And we love you all, man. Keep doing your thing, man. Have a good rest of your week. And let's go whoop up on some Texans and start a win streak, man. Go Nation. Peace. Yeah, well said, guys. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. It's it's the the it's just as simple as it gets. There's a line in the sand. There's a bad team coming in. We have to win this game to, to save our season. Doesn't really need to, you know, we don't really need to say much more than that. So for my co-host, Mr. Raspy Raider. This is your host, Raider Hart, leaving you here to get ready for this game, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Have fun. Enjoy your friends and family or however you like to get down. 
on your time off, guys. But uh, we'll reconvene after the game, and we'll be here to break it down, win, lose, or tie. Uh, we'll have our takes, we'll have our numbers, and we'll have every all the all the engagement and everything else that that uh, that you guys are looking for out of the best Raider podcast that exists on the face of the earth. So, guys, we'll leave it there and. Um, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot else needs to be said, man. If there is any time to live up to it, Raiders just got to win, baby.